Oh, good morning, church. Relationships. Did you enjoy last week? Oh, it's good to be here. I want, I want to talk about family. Uh, we're going to step into today just looking at family. Our families show up in different ways. Some of us are in a, in a nuclear family where we have our mom. I grew up in a family where I had my mom and my dad, and they were the five of us kids. And we had my mom's, my two grandparents on my mom's side and my two grandparents on my dad's side and, 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 and those families. And we were just all, that's the way it was. And we live in a world today that things are a little different for most of us because for most of us, our families were at one point broken. Many of the families in the heart and life of our church uh, are, are two different families that have come together, and now God has created a whole new family. And, and so many of us are single, single moms and dads raising kids like have never been before. The numbers are higher than they have ever been before. And I, I want to look at, uh, at, at families this morning. And as we look at our family, here's a question that I'd start right out with. How many of you would, would raise your hand and you'd say, James, I really want my family to be blessed? How many of you would say, yeah? So, so, some of you didn't raise your hand. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. See, here's the thing about the Bible. It's a, it's a, it's a kick you in the butt. Um, here's the reality about the Bible. God talks clearly about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. He talks about both of them. And he, he never talks about the area in the middle. So those of us who want our family to be blessed, and then there's the, 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 the rest of us, that could kind of automatically put us in the category of we want our family to be cursed. So let me, let me rephrase that. Let me throw that question at you again. How many of you would, would say, James, I want my family to be blessed? There you go. There, there you go. You know what the problem is? As I look at our culture, and I'm looking around at our culture, most families that I see in our culture would not fit into that category. I'd have to say that most families are struggling. Most marriages are, are not what they should be. Most families in the area of their finances are living paycheck to paycheck. They're not living in what we would call blessed there's a record number of single parents raising kids in our culture, and it's tough. And you might even say this morning, but James, I'm a, I'm a student. I'm, I'm not even... When you're a student and when you're wherever you are, if, if you're in this category that is you're, you're waiting for a family or you're in pursuit of God's family for you, you are actually in a great place to allow God to begin to prepare your heart to receive blessing so that, so that you can walk right into a blessed family. And you can, from the beginning, develop a blessed family. And I'll tell you, we're going to talk about family. I'll be transparent with you. We, we have, I especially, but Karen and I, have we have not always made the best choices in raising our kids. We, we, we weren't perfect families. We, we weren't perfect parents. But I will tell you that we were parents in the process of being perfected. 
Because that's what God wants to do in all the areas of our lives. We, we are not perfect. We would, we would all give all the reasons why we will. If we were to ask Karen about the faults that James has, she would not have trouble coming up with a list. And if, if you were to ask me about all the faults that Karen has, I would go very slow to make a list. But we, we were not, listen, yeah, I know you think that, 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 that the pastors, it, it's different for them. It's like they go home and, 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 and there are clouds around that they just walk on. And you think it's just different for us. But I got to tell you, when our kids misbehaved, I did not break out into a worship chorus. I yelled. Usually at everybody. We just aren't perfect. But we're in this process of being perfected. And if we're going to look at this, what, what, what do we do? Is a, how do we become a family that, that, that God would design? I want to jump right into a passage of Scripture that, that Jesus, in, in the best sermon ever preached and the longest sermon ever preached, most Bible scholars think it was days long. And I tell you that to make you feel better about me and my times when I go a little bit long. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, he says this. He said, blessed are those. Blessed are those. In other words, blessed are those. In other words, the ones who do it this way, God says, are honoring me and, and, and are living in the realm that I have designed. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus just lays that out there very, but you say, well, James, wait a minute, we're talking about family. You know what families are made up of? People. In that passage, that's the those. Blessed are those. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus talking, the creator of the universe in flesh, talking to you and I, will be filled. If you Pursue me, he says, you will find me. He doesn't say, for they just might get a part of me. Or they just might be filled. Or, or they just might stroll into everything's kind of working. No. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So why are so many homes in our culture not filled? Why are so many homes in our culture pursuing things that just don't matter most? And as I look at our culture and I look at our families, we're, we're, we're searching and, and we're striving. But why aren't we in this category that Jesus is talking about? Because our lives fill up so much with things that just don't matter. He said, blessed are those who are 
living right. Blessed are those who are doing the right thing. Blessed are those who are on the path, on the path, and they recognize, Jesus says, that I am God. That I am God. I desire a relationship. I created everything so that I could have relationship with you. You recognize that, and, and that's, that relationship is the path that you are on. And that will, without question, take you the destination that God has designed for you and prepared for you and wants for you and wants for me. Let me ask you another question. In your home, in your home, what do you hunger and thirst after? You say, James, well, in, in my home, we, 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 we want to please God. If I took your kids aside and I asked them that question, what would they answer? What would their answer to them? What would your kids say that in your home that you hunger and thirst after? Now, relax. We're not asking your kids that over in children's ministry. So it's all good. Hypothetically here. Let's just look at the last seven days. Let's, let's look at the last seven days in, in, in your family. What, what things were you hungering? What things was I hungering and thirsting after? I mean, what, what would we begin to write? I, I was hungering and thirsting after having a good time, after Relaxing, I was hungering and thirsting after popularity. I was hungering and thirsting after the kind of clothes that I want to wear. Hungering and thirsting, new car, nicer home. Hungering and thirsting. Some people hunger and thirsting, thirst after a really thick Bible so that they can walk around and impress people with their thick Bible. What were you hungering and thirsting after just these last seven days? Let's, that's a great place to start. That, that's a snapshot to, to, to help our thought process. Our culture is not hungering and thirsting after righteousness. When, when you realize that your diet of junk food isn't good for you, you begin to change your diet. We, we recognize this, and, and we do that, and we need to do that. Why don't we see more blessed homes in our culture? Here's a question. Why don't we see more blessed homes in the church? And before I look at what works, and I believe this is really simple. I think we make it way too complicated, and we try to think way too spiritual, and God has just laid things out so, so simple for us. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Let's look quickly at two things that don't work. And if you're taking notes, I, I want you to write these down. There are two things that don't work. And, and that is, first, is legalistic Christianity. Legalistic Christianity. 
does not work. The other thing that does not work is lukewarm Christianity. Now, I spent my entire life in the church. I, I grew up in the church. You guys know my dad was a pastor. I mean, I, I spent my entire life engaged in church. Legalistic. Legalistic Christianity, what does that mean? That, that means, that means as, as we're following Christ, we, we say, this is what a Christian looks like. And because a Christian looks like this, we come up with a list of do's and a list of don'ts. We don't smoke, we don't chew, we don't date girls that do, and, we, and, and we, we're careful about, about, about the, we, we only do these and we don't do these things. And, and we come up with this list of, of what, that's what it means. If you're a good Christian, this is the list. Christianity is not about behavior modification. As a matter of fact, Jesus did not even come to start a religion. He didn't do that. He came so that people like us would recognize who he was and we would believe him about who he said he was and what he was here to do. And because we believed him, and he is the Son of God, our sins are forgiven. Now we're on a path. The end of our path on this planet leads us to life forever with him, to heaven. He settled it. That's the path we're on, just by believing him. He did everything else necessary. See, the problem with rules is rules without relationship leads to rebellion. I, I, I got to follow these rules. I, I listen, how, how many of it, I grew up in the pastor's kids are the worst because pastors will say to their kids, this is what you have to live. These are the things that you have to do. This is how you need to live your life. And, and we present our kids these rules, but we don't get 100% committed into taking them to the place where they have relationship with God and with us a relationship that will take us through that process. Jesus, when he was asked, what is the most important law? Jesus said so clearly, love the Lord your God with all your heart. In other words, develop a relationship with him and love your neighbor as yourself. Develop a relationship with your neighbor. Get close to your family. When you have relationship, you have power. Handing your kids a set of rules is not enough. You need to perform. Let's make sure we put our best image forward. Now, that doesn't mean you swing out the other direction. We, we need to not just tell them the what, but we need to show our kids the how and the why, which means we just need to live this out 
And I'm telling you it is so much easier than we have been led to believe. And, and let's not take, let's not take our past baggage of the church that we grew up in that we feel hurt us. Or, and let's not take the baggage of, of my, my mom and my dad always said it needs to be and they may be wrong. But let, let's listen to what Jesus has to say about this. And let's not develop legalistic homes. And let's also not develop lukewarm homes. Well, what, what, what's a lukewarm home? A lukewarm home is saying, we believe in God. But then you absolutely don't live like it. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he died for my sins. Recognizing that the only thing that makes sense, the only reasonable response to that is to embrace him as my savior and live my life in following him. And there's a swing side to that that, can, that will just blow your mind if you'll do it. Because when we do that, we live in the benefit of being his children, loved by him by a parent that we cannot even imagine, the power of his love. And we'll live differently. You ever just walk out of a movie? I have. I, look, I'm not a wuss. I've got, I love John Wick movies. I loved White House Down. I, I, when Wes and I go to a movie, there needs to be a lot of blood and a lot of bullets. But I have walked out of movies. I walked out of a movie where the language was just so constant and denigrating and vulgar. And I said, you know what? I don't need this. This isn't good for me. And I got up and I walked out. Ever done that? Jesus, in Revelation chapter 3, he said, I would rather that you be hot or cold. I would rather you be at one of those extremes. Because if you're lukewarm, the scripture says, he, Jesus says, I will spew you out of my mouth. In the original language, he basically is saying, I will throw you up out of my mouth. So legalism is not the answer. Being lukewarm is not the answer. What does work? And I want you to write this down. What does work is not just be a Christian family, but be a Christ-centered home. A Christ-centered home. A home, a family that Christ is at the center of. Sounds hard. Sounds difficult. Almost sounds impossible. But that's what I want to talk about this morning. See, most of Americans still will call themselves a Christian. But we don't have most of America with Christ-centered homes. You can call yourself a duck. You might even be able to quack like a duck. But if you can't lay an egg and fly, you're not a duck. 
You're just a weird person that can quack. The real thing is what Jesus is talking about. He says, look, I didn't come to be a part of your lives. I came to be at the center of your life. That's what he called us to. That's what he calls us. And I, and I want to look, look, I, I look at that because I believe it is so much simpler than we think. He didn't say, blessed are those who believe in me when it's convenient for them. He didn't say that. And this was a long message he was preaching. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who recognize the kingdom of this world. And blessed are those who recognize that the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of this world. Blessed are those who recognize this, and that's what they want, instead of wanting that. And David explains it so well in Psalm 63. Look how David puts it. He says, you are my God. You, God, are my God. And I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. God, I recognize who you are. And you, you're my choice. You're the way. I want to do it. As a family, we would put that verse this way. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, we as a family seek you. We thirst for you. Our whole being longs for you. To put it in the family vernacular. See, this is what Jesus wants for us. This is what he calls us to as a family, and yet we pursue other things. It's almost silly if we were to take the things that we, we, we pursue and stick them up on that verse. It would be like saying, oh, popularity, I long for you. Oh, new car, my, my butt longs to sit in your leather seats. I, I love that stuff. I, I, I love my Ford F-150, and it's, it's like 10 years old now. I love my leather seats. My leather seats, when I go to cold temperatures, they, if I hit the button, they will warm my butt. When it gets hot in August, there's a different button that cools my butt. And in Arizona, we appreciate that button so much. I like this stuff just like you. But like David, oh, that's what I want. I'm not even good at that, but that's what I want. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. How do we do this? How do we do it in a practical way? And let me, let me give you another thing. You just have to write this down because I think this is so important. As moms and as dads, how do we help our families see, see God? We need to help our, see, help our families see God as a loving God. And we need to help our families see God as an approachable God and a God who is involved in our lives because that's who he is. I know some of us grew up in churches where he, 
he was so distant and judgmental, and you had to do all this stuff to kind of maybe even just get him to think about you. That's not who he is. And the truest thing, listen, the truest thing about you is what God says about you. And yet, what do we do? We hear so many other voices in our culture and so much going on around us, and that becomes our focus. But the truth is, the truest thing about you is what God says about you. And he comes to you and I, and he says, I'm approachable. I want you to bring things to me because I want to be involved in your life. And my love for you, listen, church, my love for you is so far beyond what you could ever imagine because I'm God and I'm perfect and I have all the power in the universe and there's nothing I can't do and there's nothing I don't know. This is who he is. And instead of listening to him, we get distracted and listen to all this other stuff going on in our culture. He loves you. You can go to him with anything, anything. And the reality is he wants to be involved in your life. And it's not complicated. It's simple. I want to talk about three things with you that will move us right into this arena. How can I create a hunger for God with my family? How can I do that? Number one, you make God a part of your daily conversation. Part of your daily conversation. In other words, when the sun comes up in the morning, you're not afraid to say, look at that beautiful sunrise. Look what God has created for us. Because that's the truth. Look at the universe. Look, look at the fact that God has given us a brand new day every single day. We start the day over every single day. A new gift from God. Look at that beautiful gift that he's given us. And, and, and you actually talk about, you don't become an obnoxious idiot, but you actually talk about truth and reality of who God is and what he's doing in our life. And, and, and you begin to help your family be aware of that. And maybe when, a, when, when there's a problem in your family, you stop as a family and you say, I wonder what God want, uh, wants us to do about this. And you ask him, and you know what God does to prayers? He answers them. He answers them all. Sometimes we don't like the answers, but he answers them. You involve God in your conversations. He's there and he's doing stuff, but we just tend to not talk about it. As a Christ-centered home, we just begin to talk about it. The second thing you do is you make church a part of your life. You make church a part of your life. You make, you make priority of worship, the, the, the time, of the, the one hour of the week that we come together and we worship 
the creator and sustainer of the universe. We recognize who he is, but we come together and we worship him because of who he is. You take that one hour of the week. Let me, let me, say, let me say one other thing. Some of you have never even thought about this. But you actually, how do I say this? You actually be on time. Did you hear that? In our life group, <laughs> talked about this in the first service, and some of you here in the second service, so I'm going to talk about it anyway. In our life group, in, in the, our life group, there there are uh, what three different families that are that are that are Mexican, and there's five of us all, all together. There's two two white families and and three Mexican families, and, and part of the some of our group arrives late, okay. And uh, I'm not stepping on toes, I'm stomping on them. <laughs> How you doing, Mike? <laughs> Some of our group arrives late, and uh, and the 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 excuse that I've heard from some people is, Pastor Mexicans are always late. <laughs> That's why they call them Latinos. <laughs> the problem is, some of our group, two of our group who are Latinos are not Latinos because they're there on time. So that argument doesn't even work. Give some thought to actually being here on time. You know why? Because our music, our music should not be missed. Our time, our, our time in music is not, not meant to not meant to entertain you. It's also not meant to tick you off. Our, our music and our team, church, our, our team is praying for you. Our, our team is putting together worship every week to prepare the time that you and I are together to minister, to allow God to prepare our hearts for the time that we spend in worship with our music, but also for the time that we open up God's word and we allow him into, into areas of our lives. And that's a part of preparing us for what God wants to do. I, I, I'd encourage you, be here. Everybody's always late sometime. You know, it happens, so don't feel bad if you're late, but you're late every time, whatever. <laughs> Number three, allow serving God to be fun. You know, God is a creative God. Uh, look at the person next to you and say, looking at you reminds me that God has a sense of humor. Go ahead, say that again. He's a creative God. He created the rainbow. He created the world we live in. Just stop and do some research on your eyeball. It will blow your mind how creative God is. 
And for some of us, he gives this talent, and others of us, he gives that talent. And, and this is a creative God who has a sense of humor. Do you really think that God created everything and said, I don't want you to have fun. Just don't have fun. God loves it when his children have fun. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 3, Jesus, a little bit later, later in this same message that I would, I would remind you was days long, so I'm doing okay. Look what Jesus said. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He wants us to have things. He wants us to have a good time. He wants our families to be Christ-centered. He wants to move and do in our lives. But James, you don't know how messed up my family is. You don't know how bad it is. I'm just trying to keep my 14-year-old off of drugs. Actually, I do. But more importantly, he does. And he's involved in your life. And he wants to be the center of your life. You can have what God wants to do if you will just pursue God. Period. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Dads, some of us just need to get up off of our blessed assurance and lead our family. Moms, because this, this is a together thing. This is a moms and dads thing. We need to lead towards a Christ-centered culture. This isn't hard. I've done my best to keep it simple because Jesus kept it simple. Blessed are those. Let's, let's show our families it's a, it's a blessing to serve God. Let, let's show our families that church is a priority in our lives. Let's make conversation about God a part of our families. Let, let's just do it. Many of us are already doing it. Most of us are already doing it. Maybe, maybe you feel like you're not doing it really well. It starts with a declaration. It starts with a commitment. It starts with, you know what, James? You're right. I need to do that. Not my idea. Look what Joshua said. Joshua, thousands of years ago, said, Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. You choose. But for me... And for my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's just stand with me. Let's just do it. Let's sing a song together. Let's worship. And let's enjoy his presence. Let's, because he is here, engaged, and involved in our lives. Go ahead, guys.